What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, recording the very first Grizzly Bear Blues Live of 2023. So first full year as the actual host for GBB Live. So that should be fun. Thank you for listening, and I hope you continue to tap in with us in 2023. And hopefully you stick on once I announce the guest for this first episode of 2023. But first, let me tell you how you keep in touch with the blog and with the podcast and the podcast network. So Grizzly Bear Blues is the SB Nation blog covering the Memphis Grizzlies. You can find it on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SB and Grizzlies. And GBB Live is the flagship podcast for the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. Alongside the Next Gen Podcast, the Starting Five Podcast, the Core Four Podcast, and Grizzly Bear Bets. So wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcast. The Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network is right there, so make sure you subscribe, download, write a review, all those things. That would be pretty cool. But anyways, once again, I'm your host, Parker Fleming, and with me is none other than the other associate editor over at grizzlybearblues.com. He is his stat sensei himself, Sean Coleman. Sean, how's it going, man? Parker, you know, I, I, I don't think that I'm, you know, a fortune teller or somebody like that, but, but I think that I can nail gbb lives new year's resolution by me being your first guest gbb lives new year's resolution was to get better looking guests than you had last year because if your last guest of 2022 was joe mullinax and your first yeah. guest of 2023 is myself i mean you couldn't have got any better you certainly are sticking to your new year's resolution i'm completely joking parker you know it's always a pleasure to talk with you i hope you've been well sir and just think the month after you get married the holidays all this different stuff you couldn't start your month off in january in any better way than talking to me yeah you're you're right i guess yeah you're you're so (laughs) right but yeah you know sean it's uh i'll leave the next question of the day up up to our our listeners seeing uh if Sean Coleman is an upgrade over Joe Mullinax looks wise, I don't want to wow. be, I don't want to be mean and throw the basketball takes out there. You know, what people listen to us for, but you know, so the Memphis Grizzlies, they're starting out 2020, uh, 2023 quite well. Um, They won against the Sacramento Kings off of back to back against the New Orleans Pelicans to close 2022. And then they just, we are recording this after they just, just trounced. Charlotte Hornets, um, the poor, poor Charlotte Hornets, poor LaMelo Ball, but I, I digress. Um, and, you know, we could talk about the four-game winning streak that came on the heels of them losing four out of five games, which also came off the heels of them winning six games in a row. But I, I want to give everybody something a little evergreen, you know, something that you can listen to, whether it's next week, a month from now, six months from now, in the all season, or you can listen to it at this time next year at a cold take us. You never know. We get we could do something a, a little a little different over here to analyze what's actually going on right now. We're we're trying to get bold, semi bold here. We don't want to go full on hot take here. You know, we're not we're not you know your Stephen A's, your Skip Baylesses, or Nathan Chester's out there. We aren't going to get hot. We're, we're we want to get semi bold here. So semi bold predictions for twenty twenty three. Episode of Grizzly Bear Blues Live brought to you by nothing right now. That is a New Year's resolution of mine, a sponsor. But Sean, I'm a, I, I'm you're my guest. It'd be best etiquette for me to let you go first. Jaron Jackson Jr. wins the 
defensive player of the year is my first take for this. I know that that may not necessarily be just even semi-bold, but here's the reason why I think that that is the case. If you go back a year ago, um, Jaron Jackson Jr. had a historic January, 50 blocks in the, in the month of it. It really was his arrival in the NBA. DeMichael Cole had a, a wonderful stat that Jaron had more blocks than personal fouls in that month, which showed the growth in his game. But the reason that I point this out is because when you look at the Western Conference right now, when you look at every potential playoff team on both sides of the basketball, who truly stands out as having the most consistently elite side of the basketball of all the Western Conference teams? Right now, it's the Grizzlies' defense. I think you could possibly say the Ma Mavericks' offense, you know, with Luka being what he is and all that different stuff. But when you're talk about when you're talking about consistently being able to do what they need to do, the Grizzlies are there now. A fair take is is that they struggled in that game against Golden State. Jaron Jackson didn't play that much in Christmas. But I do think that the Grizzlies continue to just run away. Their 104.6 defensive rating since December 1st is three full points better than the second-best team in the NBA. If the Grizzlies stay the best defense in the NBA for the duration of this year and they stay in that at least top three of the Western Conference, I truly feel that you, without a doubt, we're talking about so much offense in the league right now. I think that the more offense we see, the more credibility it's going to lend to just how special Jaron is and how impactful he is, and that's going to make him the clear front runner and a deserving winner of the Defensive Player of the Year award. So that's my first um, semi-bold prediction. Jaron Jackson Jr. wins Defensive Player of the Year. I like it. I really do. And, you know, there's been a lot of great Jaron Jackson propaganda out there for his Defensive Player of the Year case. I think it was uh... – Matt Moore, who highlighted that he is having, he's been doing a bunch of these Jaron Jackson Jr. Dep Defensive Player of the Year propaganda tweets, and I'm here for it. He is the only player right now within, like, you know, qualifying minutes and stuff, you know, guys that are re playing regular minutes. He's the only one that possesses a double digit block percentage at 11% right now. And then that's also, he's coming off the heels of a three block game against Charlotte. He leads the league in defensive EPM, which is defensive estimated plus minus, calculated also by dunksandthrees.com. And the Grizzly, I think this is probably the most telling, if we're going to be completely honest. The Grizzlies started out the season with Jaron Jackson Jr. out, like 19th or 20th in defense. Now they're second with the best defense, like you said, by a mile since he's returned. And I, I've, and also he's doing that with lower a lowered foul rate. Granted, he's still it's he's a big man who swats a lot of shots. He tries to swat a lot of shots. He's going to foul a lot. And I do think it's worth noting. Actually, you know, talk just talking Grizzlies with someone else. They brought up how uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. You know, the only games he's had foul trouble were against Giannis, Jokic, and the Warriors. All three matchups where you may not get a favorable whistle. I'm not like blaming the quality of the whistle, but those were the games that stood out. And I think it's also just a product. He is getting better at his fouling and it's helping him stay on the floor. And I just think, like you said, that impact that he makes defensively, he is the most transformative defender in the NBA right now. And actually, right now, DraftKings 
has Jaron Jackson Jr. number one on their best odds for Defensive Player of the Year at plus 150. And I think you should be taking that before it becomes minus money because, like you said, Sean, it's only a matter of time, maybe a couple weeks or by the All-Star break, maybe by March. Those odds are going to be minus odds, and I, I think you should try to k- cash in now. So I think it's a really good one. You're you're more of the bold take guy a bit than me, but always very calculated when it comes to your bold take. So Parker Fleming, I'm going to put you on the spot. What is your first lukewarm bold take? We, we, we'll give you a little bit of wiggle room from semi. What's your first semi-lukewarm bold take of 2023 for your beloved Memphis Grizzlies? For sure. So my first semi-bold prediction for the Memphis Grizzlies. And this is going to be this is going to be one that's a little bit more bold, but also not as bold, considering history. But I think the Grizzlies do something sizable this year in the trade market. Sizable. Um, I you know, the trade deadline. I'm very interested about the trade deadline because the Western Conference is wide open, and right now, at this very moment. They ha- I talked about this last week on the podcast with uh, Joe Mullinax. They have their guaranteed seven guys that they're going to roll with in a playoff series. Ja, Bain, Jaron, Dylan, Steve-O, Tyus, BC. And then in the eight, you have Zaire Williams, who's not looking right. You have Santi Aldama, who hasn't played playoff minutes before. John Conchard, who hasn't gotten a whole lot of playoff experience, but also... Looked sh- a little shaky last year when he played in those minutes. And then you have a 35-year-old Danny Green that's coming off a nasty knee injury not even a year ago. I I just wonder if they try to utilize any sort of assets that they have this, this trade-up line to bolster their playoff depth, whether that's turning the Danny Green, Xavier Tillman, and a first-round pick into a rotation player. And granted, we got to see how the trade market sh- uh, shapes out too because there, there's so much parity in the league right now where, you know, no one's selling off just yet. They're like, oh, we can make the play in. I mean, you'll have some teams that they're like, they've already accepted it, but I don't find anything mighty interesting about what the San Antonio Spurs can offer aside from obviously Tennessee Vol, Josh Richardson. Um, and then the Detroit Pistons or the Houston Rockets. I just don't see anything right now. Uh, but also, too, I wouldn't rule out anything in the offseason just because that is when, uh, you know, guys like Steven Adams and Brandon Clark, their their contract extensions kick in. You can use them in a trade. I don't think they will. I think that Jaron Jackson, Steven Adams, Brandon Clark trio is at least locked in through next season as just they're going to roll with those guys. But the one I'm keeping an eye on is the Tyus Jones one. because And I like Tyus Jones. Best backup point guard in the league, unless you count Russell Westbrook as that guy. But next season, you're looking at almost $50 million in two point guards who don't play a whole lot of minutes next to each other. And I also am very, very impressed with how Tennessee evolved Kenny Chandler's looked in his limited minutes. He's looked really polished for a one-and-done second-round point guard. I, he's looked like a first-round talent, in my opinion, kind of backing up all the evaluation and stuff that we did that we did covering the draft. 
But I wonder if that's their if that's Zach Kleiman's next money ball move is finding a way to move off Tyus to give the keys to the second unit to Kennedy Chandler. So I mean, whether it's Danny Green, Tyus Jones, Brandon Clark, Stephen Adams, I think there's something sizable that happens because they also want to make room for guys like David Roddy or Jake Laravia or Kennedy Chandler to have consistent minutes, yet alone a 2023 rookie. Who knows? So my 2023 first semi-bowl prediction is that the Grizzlies will do something sizable in the trade market. So way to steal my thunder because that was actually going to tie into um, my thought process, which is I do think they're going to do something sizable as well. Um, my prediction was going to be that they are going to make a trade for a notable player who has a contract that extends past this summer, a la what they did with um, Justice Winslow back the last time they made a, a trade at the deadline, which was in 2020. Now, when we're talking about this, but, the, but to add on to that, my big prediction is that the Grizzlies start the trail to a star player trade this summer. And, and I'll briefly describe what I'm getting at. A couple of names that stand out that could make sense are Gary Trent Jr. and Malik Beasley. I do think that those players will be expendable. I think that those teams will listen to a Danny Green, Xavier Tillman, and some type of first for those players if they're made available. Both Beasley and Trent have, you know, between 16 and 17 million, you know, that they'll be owed for 23-24. But the reason why I think it makes sense right now, the Grizzlies have two of the three things that you need to have to trade for a star player. They've got the draft picks, which with uh, which Shams mentioned. By the summer, they're going to have plenty of money matching pieces. The one thing that the Grizzlies do not have is a clear, intriguing young talent that will allow for their package to be above others. What I'm meaning by that right now is, is that if you look at the Warriors offering a package led by Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga, if you look at the Pelicans offering a package led by Trey Murphy and Dyson Daniels plus their picks, and if you look at the Grizzlies offering what, Zaire Williams potentially and another player with their picks, I think that the Warriors and Pelicans deal right now probably makes the most sense. But if you get to the summer, you've got a little bit more development and either you're going to have a player like a Zaire or a Santi or somebody like that who could emerge as a trade piece to be that third part of a star player deal. Or if they're not developing like you'd wanted them to, you're, it gives you even more reason to make that star player deal. And for the Beasley or Trent that you get to the trade deadline this year, by the summer, they'll be expiring. So they can help you out as part of the rotation in the playoffs this year. And then they could potentially be Dylan insurance in the next season if you keep them, or they could be an expiring money matching part of a trade with Tyus for a star player over the summer. So I think that we're in on the same, you know, wavelength. I get, you know, Shams that came out and said that, you know, he thinks the Grizzlies could be the next team in line to make a trade for a star player. I don't think their package that they could put together is there yet, like for a Pascal Siakam at this year's trade deadline. But I do think this summer they'll have more urgency for the need to do it, or they'll have a bit more depth with the development or one or two of these young combo forwards that could really add to them making the star player with some attractive money matching pieces as well. Interesting. No, I, I like that. And like, you know, Malik Beasley is a name that I've been wanting to to hear kind of come up in trade rumors. I know people talk about Jordan Clarkson, his aesthetic of the game that he plays is mighty fun, but 
I I just my thing is the playoffs are all about mismatch hunting, and teams are already going to target Ja for his defense. I don't want to give them somebody else to target. You know, that's kind of where I stand with that. With Clarkson versus Beasley, is Beasley's less likely to get mismatch hunted. I think he's a pretty solid defender. I mean, I'm not going to go out and make these braggadocious claims about his his defense because, I mean, it's not great. I mean, I'm looking at basketball reference right now, and he, his defensive box plus minus is at minus 1.2. Clarkson, for reference, is minus 2.4. But, I mean, I'm also just, like, looking at the three-point numbers here. Beasley actually shoots one more three per game than Clarkson and connects at a 37% clip compared to Clarkson, who is at 36%. Um, and then, granted, Clarkson probably gets more shots inside the arc, and he, that's kind of what boosts his efficiency as well. But, I mean, also with his size, too, like the size difference too. I mean, I think they're about the same height, but I think Beasley's a bit stockier, a little bit bigger. You could probably play him in lineups with Job. Bain, Brooks, and Jackson and be just fine. Um, but I mean that's who I would go with. I do want to ask you this too. Like who would so you're talking about stars, which is always fun. Star players are always fun to talk about. Who's who's uh someone that uh who are some players that stick out to you in potential star chase? I mean, Shams put it out there. I don't think it's really anything new. It's kind of the thing that we've kind of seen since 2019 2020 they built up these assets for quite some time obviously they went ahead and and used two draft picks uh in that 2022 draft class that could have been trade assets but what do you what do you see as the potential star player package that intrigues you let's 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 get the let's get these uh these names out there what who sean coleman wants the grizzlies to target well, Pascal Siakam tops it, um, yeah. and because he he just checks all the boxes, uh, he's gonna he's go. I mean, it, it, I'm thinking of it like this. I'm thinking of a player that you can make as the fifth person with Jaw Dylan, um, Dez, and Jaron, and Pascal Siakam at the four in that lineup would just be absolute bananas. It's like he he would top that opportunity. That would that would definitely be something that would that would be a lot of fun. Um, DeMar DeRozan is out there as being a name that I think can make a lot of sense. Um, if you were to let Dylan walk in, in the, uh, off season, DeMar DeRozan may be someone that may not cost as much, but the fact that he's, you just got him for one year, he's older. But I think that if you want to talk about someone that could really help the Grizzlies half court offense, I think that that's something that could really be there. Um, and beyond that, it's just, you're the big men doesn't really make sense. Like a Carl Anthony Towns or DeAndre Ayton, that that doesn't make it just a ton of sense to me. One name that I'm at least intrigued by, and this is probably just going to be completely, this probably would never happen. But if Miami were to blow up what they've got going on, I would welcome Jimmy Butler to Memphis. I would welcome Jimmy Butler to Memphis in a heartbeat. Um, we I just become best friends. I, I I would give him a negative five percent, just a negative five percent chance of happening. But with the Grizzlies' depth, and even if Jimmy Butler being paid forty plus million dollars in his mid thirties, have him play fifty games a year during the season over the next two years, 
and then get his playoff performance with him fresh and add him to Jaw, Dez, and Jaron. And I would be – you want to talk about someone that's motivated to win a title when he hasn't before? I truly think that he would be a welcome, welcome addition. I think that he would be so good of a fit for this roster. And if you could get Dylan in there as well, whew, uh, a Jaron, Dylan, Jimmy Butler, Dez, Jaw lineup, oh, my that would be so much fun. Again, I don't think it happens, but if there is just a off the wall, just unexpected, but when you really think about it, makes sense type move, it would be Jimmy Butler coming to Memphis. That that would be the dream, to be honest. And you know, it is interesting. I I think my my prediction will tie into this one and their likelihood of making of how sizable their move is going to be, because you know my sizable is just like oh. They add a guy that's a bonafide eighth player in your in your playoff rotation. That was mine. Like you know, uh, your yours has that floor, but stretches to the ceiling of Jimmy Butler, which I love. I love to hear it. Uh, but I think in my my other bold prediction. Well, for one, I'm surprised you didn't. I thought you were going to say LeBron James, who you know you know Sports Illustrated in their 2023 predictions column. I think it was Howard Beck that said that. The Lakers uh, and LeBron James would explore trade possibilities. I thought that was going to be it, but I mean, if we're going to be real, LeBron's, I, I, I think he's going to go. I think Phoenix is just, you have the new ownership looking to make a splash. I, I think it's going to be, there's going to be a Phoenix trade in there, but this isn't a Phoenix Suns or Los Angeles Lakers podcast. So I ain't going to talk about that anymore. But my other semi bowl prediction is. And I'm I'm not gonna say whether or not they win this game, but the Grizzlies will be playing in a game seven in the FedEx form in the Western Conference Finals. I'm I I and I believe the way that they'll get there is their defense. I I Mm -hmm. truly do feel, especially with the fact that Dylan and Jaron have been able to play at the levels that they're playing together over a stretch of time, like we're seeing this, right? I, I, I know that they struggled against the Warriors, but the overall body of work that we're coming up on two months of with those two playing together, it's it's hard to deny. It's hard to deny that right now, when you consider how good they're playing with how sustainable it can be, there's not, when you look at the 60 sides of basketball, offensive defense from the 30 teams in the NBA, the Grizzlies defense has to be one of the top three or four that you believe in the most moving forward, I feel. I, I don't think that that's, that's, that's arrogant, and I don't think that that's biased. I just that I feel like their defense can be that good. No, no, their defense is really good. And here, here's the thing. You have just the infrastructure to win. You have the superstar point guard. Or you have this uh, – I, I don't feel like I should be saying superstar point guard. The superstar – high usage shot maker with John Morant or points generator because I know people will be like, well, he's not much of a three-point shooter. I mean, he makes shots. He shoots three ball just fine. He put he lights it up. And you, he's now leveraging that with this playmaking in a way that he has not done in his entire NBA career. I know he's not in his groove yet. Desmond Bain will not be a 33% three-point shooter for the rest of the season. Desmond Bain coupling the steps that he's taken inside the arc as a creator with his top three 
three-point shooting. And then you have the perimeter stopper. You have, And then on back line, you have the defensive player of the year. And then from there, you're just interchanging the guys that do the dirty work between Steven Adams and Brandon Clark. And you you have something. You just have an infrastructure there. And I I think it has. And if you really think about it, you know, they have their, I know I said they need their eighth, but they have an assortment of players who can step up and be that eighth on any different night, whether that's Zaire Williams, who I don't, I think he'll find his groove. I, I really do. Or Dave, David Roddy, who I don't wouldn't really trust in a playoff series right now, but he's shown a lot of good stuff right now. Santi Aldama who has sneakily become a near 40% three-point shooter. That's a 6'11", uh, stretch four. Pretty awesome. And then John Conchar or Danny Green, they, they have an assortment of guys. They just don't have the bonafide eighth guy. And that doesn't discount the fact that they're making a move. And then also, too, this was Joe Molinak's bold prediction when he replied to the tweet. But, like, Taylor Jenkins is a coach of the year. He's he's a damn good coach. He has a good system but on both sides of the ball. He He develops his players. He has his guys ready at any moment. I mean, we're talking about a team who last year for uh, how about six playoff games, six or seven playoff games. They had Xavier Tillman, who was not getting any rotation minutes from like January on. Just step in and start. And they, they they were two games away from making the conference finals. So like he has his guys ready. I just think they have the infrastructure to get that far. And I'm not going to, I don't, I also don't want to be the guy that comes out and says, oh, they're going to make the NBA finals, you know? Because while Jaws says the Grizzlies are fine in the Western Conference, I, I get the sentiment. I, I wouldn't say fine. I would say wide open. The Western Conference is wide open. Denver's a threat because Jokic somehow is putting on a campaign that might make him a, Three time, three straight MVP. Aaron Gordon is good. They're catch. They're waiting for Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. You have New Orleans, who's risen this year. Dallas is always a threat as long as they have Luca. The Los Angeles Clippers have depth, and then Paul George, Kawhi, and then the Golden State Warriors are only a half game out from not being in the play-in anymore. And then Phoenix is a game out from it. Like the West is really good, but I think the Memphis Grizzlies can certainly make the Western Conference Finals. And from there, I will not make any prediction of how, how far else they'll go. You you talk about infrastructure, and, and, and I do agree, but this is the reason why I feel like that, yes, they do to an extent. They check a lot of boxes, especially when it comes to their starting lineup. And De'Anthony Melton, I understand many were saying, well, we need an eighth guy, we need an eighth guy. We traded our eighth guy in in the draft. I get that. But we also had two playoff campaigns in which we knew that De'Anthony Melton added very little value. The one thing, though, that still stands out about this Grizzlies infrastructure that I think is going to potentially be their kryptonite in the playoffs is where are they going to get the extra shooting that other teams have? Again, the Golden State Warriors without Steph and others on Christmas, they killed us because their depth hit threes, right? Clay Thompson is back to playing very good basketball. There are plenty of teams to in the West to where you don't just hone in on the Warriors. But my point is, is that I do feel like that 
because of how good this defense is, I feel that the Grizzlies are doing themselves a disservice if they don't go get some type of shooting reinforcement at the deadline to really give their that needed boost to the offense to make the most of how good their defense is playing. I know that we talk about how the Grizzlies trust their you know roster, they trust their development, they want to give their young players time, they want to give their young players opportunity. I'm all for that, and there's nothing at all that you can say against the results so far of doing that. But I do think that with how good this roster has been playing defensively, the Grizzlies should give them the best chance offensively, and that's going to improve the infrastructure by making the deal for a more certain source of shooting that I really think could work wonders to support Dez and others on this team. Yeah. yeah they, do, they do need to bolster their offense. I think they're one of the least efficient teams in half court. And I do think Desmond Bain coming back to form will help with that. For sure, uh, especially because I mean that's that's just another three point shooter to have in the mix there. I think Zaire Williams returning to form as a uh, as a spot up shooter in the corner. I think that will help too. Uh, I I just think that I mean there's room for improvement. The defense, if it holds at a top, as long as you have a top five defense defense with a solid offense, you always have a shot. You always have a shot. One hundred percent. That that's the whole thing. They 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 have found the Grizzlies one formula that they do have. We always talked about with John Morant as your one. You better have a good defense to be able to match what he can do for your offense. The Grizzlies have done exactly that. They've been able to find a good defense, even you know, even if I know that he's a mismatch that people are going to hunt in the playoffs. This defense is still good enough to get the stops that it needs. But I, I do just think that, you know, like for instance, tonight, you know, I, I was looking at, at, at something tonight um, that uh, that would have stood out. I think since 2000, there have been like, and it didn't wind up happening, but since 2000, there have been like 76, 77 times that a team one by 30 or more points, but actually had the opposing team shoot, make more threes than them. And the Grizzlies have done it twice over the past three weeks to Milwaukee, and they were on pace to do it tonight against the Hornets. My point is, is at the end of the day, they're winning very good. They're winning because of their defense. But in a playoff series against an elite team, you need to have multiple ways to win. And we saw last year how good their three-point shooting can be in the playoffs. I just, again, think that three-point shooting is something they should definitely seek to have the trade deadline. I totally agree. And that's why I'm also just waiting for the trade market to shake out because, you know, we could throw out these names of like, oh, Malik Beasley, Jordan Clarkson, or Josh Richardson, Kyle Kuzma. But nothing's shaking out right now, you know? There's no there's no need to bring up names because none of them have shaken out just yet. You Absolutely. Know? And, and, and at the very least, with names not shaking out, if – Zaire and others are playing as badly as they are. I'm not trying to criticize them. They're just not adding a lot of value right now. If they're struggling as they are, but you keep winning, in time they should find their groove, and that's going to give it even more of an opportunity for you to win. So if you're continuing to win, that buys you time. See if one or two of them can hit a groove, and then, then from there maybe a trade's not that big of a deal. But I, I do agree with you. I know that we talked a lot about trades. That'll be a lot of the content coming up. I do think that – even if it, the Grizzlies may not make a move, it makes more sense for them to make a sizable move this year than it has at any point over the past few years. And I think they owe it to themselves to do that with how good their defense is. 
Absolutely. No, I totally agree. Um, let me let me ask you this before we close the show here. What do you think Dylan makes in the all season this season? And do you think it's with the Memphis Grizzlies? Whew, that's a uh that's a loaded question. So uh I I, I can't shake a four-year 75 to 80 million dollar deal, but um you kind of compare it to deals that other players have made. You know, when I talk about a Gary Trent Jr., for instance, Gary Trent Jr., you know, before last year, got paid three years, 51 million. Derek White got paid four years, 73 million. Um, it, I, or what did Lonzo make? What, what did Lonzo make? Three years, 80 million, I believe. I thought it was four and 80. Four, four and 80. Um, man, I'll take you with the new. Um, salary cap coming in place, you know, you look at a player like a Grant Williams, who Dylan is clearly a better person than, but just from looking at the Grant Williams negotiations, Grant Williams probably wants somewhere between 15 to 17 million over like three to four years. I don't think Dylan is out of the realm of possibility of making four years, 80 to 85 million. I think that on an open market, he can ask that as a fair opportunity. With that being said, I do think that the Grizzlies could potentially look to kind of pay him a bit more. Again, I'm not the wisest when it comes to the pay structure, but the Grizzlies with their own, but I could see Memphis possibly paying him three years, 60 million. And I think that if they get, I think if the Grizzlies hit that 20 million mark, and I believe that they would prefer to do it over three instead of four years or put it to some type of structure, you know, where the fourth is an option or whatever, I do think that he is a three-year, 60, four-year, 75 to $80 million player, and I give it about a 55% chances with the Grizzlies. I think right now it's it's more likely than not that he'll be there. Um, I, but I will say this. I've said that I am fine with it being a three-year, 60, four-year, $75 million deal. I don't think he makes it the entirety of the contract in my opinion, because I do think that if they do re-sign him as time goes on, he's going to make his, have his most value as a potential trade chip. I don't, I've Sean, I, I feel like aside from job Bain and Jaron, you, you just never have anybody as their best value making the end of their contract. It's, it's quite, it's quite a thrill. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, but, but to answer your question, I think three years, 60, Four years, 75, 80, and I give it a 55% chance on that type of contract. He's a Memphis Grizzly. I have four and 80 as well. I think he's going to make about four years, 80 mil. Because, I mean, I, I think I wrote a, wrote about it in the offseason. You know, I'm looking at guys like – and, you know, people are like, oh, well, they didn't sign to an extension. How much do they want him? I'm like, Dylan's being smart. Like, yeah. if this is anything, he knows he's going to make more than – $15 million per year in the open market with the cap spike coming. And so like, he's made himself at least 10 to 15 million more with how good he's played defense this year. Yeah. Like, honestly, this would have been the semi bull take. I think Dylan Brooks's contract gets closer to 100 million than 75. If, if it goes 100, no, I'm up. saying by closer, I mean, I'm talking like 88, like between 85, 90. Uh, for, for four years, ninety million for Dylan is is the high end, probably. Let me ask you this question then, because I think that your knowledge on this probably exceeds mine a bit. 
where does the sign and trade come into place? Because the one thing that I'll say is this, I don't think that Dylan walks. I, I don't just see the Grizzlies letting Dylan Brooks walk doesn't make sense on the level that it made sense to let a Kyle Anderson walk, right? Sign and trade possibilities. When it comes to that 20 to 22 million, even if the Grizzlies don't sign him for that, that's a possibility as well. I definitely do think the Grizzlies could make that happen, but their cap space may impact that as well. So, Yeah. See, with, with Dylan, you know, here's the thing with Dylan have the idea that you like when it, especially as haters, you know, have, have the, have the idea that you want him gone. What's your replacement? Yeah. Like that, that's, that's the whole thing. Well, how, how do you want to replace him? I don't see anybody on the roster that can do what he's doing this time next year, unless there's a massive leap in store, nor is there many players available that would be quote unquote upgrade for Dylan. Especially what he's been providing defensively. Available. Don't don't twist my words here. Available. I mean, I can go on and on. I mean, if if you're talking sign and trades, if he's your ticket to get someone like OG and an OB, sure. Yeah. yeah. That's that's the that's an upgrade. But again, I don't know how much of an upgrade it is to warrant the cost, but I don't want to get that. This is probably a topic for another day, but I, yeah, but I, regardless, Dylan Brooks is going to get paid at, at the end of the day. He can frustrate you with his antics, with, with his talking, with his, you know, shot, all that different stuff. But, you know, as I've mentioned to a few people, when it was brought up that the Grizzlies are doing too much talking with, you know, the you know, jaw saying he's fine in the West, all this different stuff, the Christmas Day game and things like that. When the Grizzlies are talking, that's them being their true selves. And that, but the thing that comes with that, that's a byproduct of them being the version of themselves that's going to allow for them to be at their best. Dylan at his best is a trash-talking wild card on offense, but who absolutely gets the job done on defense. I know you can only put so much value in individual plus-minus, but as I retreated earlier today or yesterday, right now Dylan has the fifth-best individual plus-minus going into tonight's game in the NBA. I know that that's because he plays in one of the best starting lineups, but it's not Ja, it's not Jaron, it's not Dez. It's Dylan Brooks. Because of his defense. And for a team that's featuring John Dez leading your offense, again, you sign Dylan Brooks. John Dez, arguably over the next three to five years, could be one of the top five to seven offensive duos in the game. You re-sign Dylan Brooks, and with him and Jaron Jackson Jr., you've got one of the top five or seven defensive combos in the game for at least the next three years, and all of that is on the same team. You can't yeah, tell me yeah. many teams beat that when it comes to a championship core. Yeah. And it's also one of those things too, when it comes to like the plus minus and stuff, like it'd be one thing if this is the only data we had to back it up, but he's also led the, led the team in on off inferential for the past three seasons. At some point, it's just kind of simple that he makes the Grizzlies better. Yes, absolutely. They're, they're the best version of the best version of this current Grizzlies roster is absolutely featuring Dylan, whether it's at the fourth three, 
I completely agree. So are there ways to get better players? Potentially. You know, I'll personally say it. I would take an OG Ananobi or a Pascal Siakam or that level of player over a Dylan. That's fine. Would you pay the difference to bring those type of players in versus what you have in Dylan? We'll see. But you you give me Dylan four years, 75 to 85 million. I'm not going to complain too much. Absolutely. And Sean, this is about all the time we have here. Do you have anything else to add before we close the show? Uh, I think this is the first time we've talked on the podcast uh, since, but uh, happy new year to you, buddy. Congratulations to you and Allie. And as always, I hope this is the first of many conversations we get to have about the Grizzlies and sports in general this year. So absolutely. Thank you. And happy new year to you as well. And I really appreciate the kind words, but yeah, you can find Sean over on Twitter at uh, stats. SAC. If you don't already do so, you need to follow him for all the best stat, stat breakdowns. And just really the, the great banter that he has across all sports, you know, whether it's Grizzlies, Titans, Braves, Tennessee Volves, he can talk it all. So make sure you are uh, following him at SASAC. Does tremendous work over at Grizzly Bear Blues and over also at SBN, SB Nation's Talk and Shop with the Atlanta Braves. But you can follow me on Twitter at Pocket underscore Flock and make sure you are liking all liking and following all of our stuff over at grizzlybearblues.com and you can follow us on twitter at sb and grizzlies and you can also check out the podcast network wherever you get your podcast so you don't miss a single episode of gbb live four four podcast the starting five podcast the next gen podcast and grizzly bear bets make sure you tap in with us all 2023 leave a review write a five-star review subscribe do all the fun stuff it's going to be a great year. So, but we'll see you next week. Damn,